A reading is from Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 14, and you'll find it on page 977 of your church Bible. So that's Matthew chapter 12, verses uh, 1 to 14. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into the synagogue, into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you have a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as the sound, just as the same as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Thank you, Steve. Please do keep your Bible open on page 977. It will be very helpful to you. As Ruth said at the start of the service, we are going through a series at the moment called Joyful discipleship, which means that's about experiencing joy as we live our lives following Jesus Christ as our Lord. We're specifically looking at rest and the Sabbath this evening, and we will mainly look at this passage in Matthew 12, but we will look at a few different parts of the Bible as well. But before we do that, let me pray. Father God, thank you for the Bible. Please, by your Spirit, use it to grow us more like your Son, Jesus. Amen. I should have introduced myself. My name is Nick, Nick Berryman. I'm one of the leaders here at this church, and it's great to have the privilege to open the Bible with you this evening. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to put up a slide now, hopefully, and I'm going to ask you, where, where is this? Does anybody recognize this place? Wimbledon, yes, it's Wimbledon. It's the home of English tennis, uh, and it hosts the, the major UK tournament every year. I had the the pleasure of going, I've only been once, um, in fact, a group of friends from here went, I see one of them in the balcony today actually, Uh, and it was a a great day out. It's not my main sport, I generally prefer to watch rugby or football or cricket, but it was a great day out to watch tennis. And as we travelled to London, we joined the queue, and unlike any other queue I've ever been in, they handed a little booklet called A Guide to Queuing. I mean, really, do the British need to be told how to queue? Surely it's just embedded in us. 
Uh, and as I open the, the, the book on the contents page, which is on the next slide, page five, how to join the queue, an instruction in how to join the queue. I thought I've already mastered that. I'm in the queue. I don't need that one. But I, I then scan down to page 26, the queue code of conduct. The queue code of conduct. Do you really... Do we really need that? And one of the points in the Code of Conduct is this. You are in the queue if you join it at the end and have been issued with a valid, numbered, and dated queue card. And you're wondering, I thought he was going to talk about rest and the Sabbath. What's this about Wimbledon? We will come to rest. We will come to Sabbath. Um, but I just... I think the way we think about rules or a Code of Conduct will deeply shape how we think about the Sabbath. Do we think of it primarily as a rule that's going to be that rob us of life and fun, or is there something richer and deeper behind that? I also need to explain the word Sabbath. I'm hoping that as we go through this evening, we will get a much deeper, richer understanding. We add layers to our understanding. Um, but just as a starting point, we'll say it's the, it's the seventh day. It's God created in six, and then there was the Sabbath. It's the, the seventh day of the week. And God said, do all your work, do all your labor on six days, and rest on the Sabbath day. So these three layers, the, we're going to look at three layers. The base layer, the bottom layer, is I'm going to call the law of the Sabbath. The law of the Sabbath. It is in the commandments. I was going to call it the code of the Sabbath, because it linked with the Wimbledon Code of Conduct a bit, a, a bit more. But code is not strong enough a term. Uh, if we re go back to verses 1 and 2 that, that we have read to us, just to set the scene, verse 1, Jesus with his disciples is walking through the cornfields and his disciples pick off the ears of the corn and they just start munching as they're walking. I should say there's nothing wrong with that. That, that was allowed. That wasn't considered work. Um, and then in verse 2, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of the day, the, the, the religious police in a way, see this happening. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Unlawful, it's a strong word, illegal, outlawed. They're saying they're doing what is wrong. So my mind starts whirring when I hear things like that. Well, if I'm not allowed to do that on the Sabbath, what am I allowed to do? What, what are we supposed to do these days on Sundays? Is it okay to do some of those things that we saw on the, the screen? Are we, can we do our coursework? Can we do our homework? What about checking the email? What, what, what can we and what can't we do on the Sabbath? So I thought it would be good just to go back to see where this rule, where this law came from. So can we have the, the next slide? So it comes from the, the most famous set of rules in the entire universe. It comes from the Ten Commandments. It's number four of the Ten Commandments. And they're given twice, the first time in Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read it. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So it's, quite a, it's the longest description of any of the commandments, and I think God kind of preempted a few people trying to work some loopholes into this. 
um, a kind of, okay, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. You can, you can see someone thinking, well, my wife could do some work, or my children could do some work, or, or even my animals could do some work, and God said, he's closed all of those loopholes. But also, it gives a reason. Most of the commandments aren't given a reason, but here it gives a reason, and it's because of creation. It's because God created in six days and rested on seven. It's grounded in the very nature of God. It's grounded in creation. But then in the second um, giving of the Ten Commandments, which is in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we'll just read a, read a bit on the next slide, please. I won't read it all again because largely it is the same. Largely it's, it's the same reasoning, the same rules. However, the bit in bold I am going to read because the reason given on the second giving of the commandments is changed, it's different. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So these are two of the biggest pillars of the Old Testament. You have creation, the rule is first grounded in creation, and now it's grounded in the Exodus, in God's salvation of his people from slavery as he brought them out of Egypt. Now, I wonder if any of you are budding lawyers and you might want to challenge the law. Um, I, I think if we just look at verses 3 to 5, do scan down in Matthew chapter 12, um, they might just scare you off a little bit because that's what the Pharisees try. They try to say, you're doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus answers the, answered them because he knows the law better than anyone because he wrote the law. And they don't do very well in that exchange. As I said, we're going to add different layers onto our understanding of Sabbath. But at this base layer of the law of the Sabbath, I just want to give a challenge to anybody who, here who has, has doubts. There's a verse that I love in Psalm 34. called taste, uh, it, it reads, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. It's an invitation to try. An invitation to taste and see. So I'd just invite anyone here, whether you believe this, whether you believe Christianity, whether you trust in Jesus or not, just as an experiment to, for a short time, maybe a week, two weeks, three weeks, just as an experiment to try Sabbath. Practice Sabbath as you understand it from when you go home tonight, from all that we hear tonight, from all that we learn from the Bible tonight, and try it. And then after your one, two, three weeks, see how it goes. So the first layer is the law of the Sabbath. The, the next layer we're going to add on to that is the spirit of the Sabbath, the spirit of the Sabbath. Look it down at, at chapter 12 again, verses 6, 7, and 8. Verse 6 really is a bit of an attention grabber. I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. Now, the temple was the center of life for God's people in the Old Testament. The temple was where the sacrifice happened happened. It's where people went to, to meet God. It was the center of everything. And then Jesus says something greater than the temple is here. Grabs your attention. Into verse 7, when Jesus says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And this is, this is about the spirit versus the letter of the law. This is Jesus saying, You've missed the heart of the matter. You've focused on the letter of the law, you've focused on the detail, but you've missed the main thing. And it is possible, isn't it, to follow the spirit of the law, but miss a few details of the law, and, and vice versa. It's possible to follow 
the letter of the law, but completely missed the spirit of the law. In everyone, I th- I'm going to say, in everyone's least favourite Star Wars film, at least my least favourite Star Wars film, The Phantom Menace, uh, the young Anakin Skywalker, uh, in one of the scenes, he's in a cockpit of a starfighter in a hangar, and he's been told to stay in the cockpit for, for his own safekeeping, to keep him safe. Uh, and the battle's going on around him, and his siders are losing, so he decides to take matters into his own hands and starts pressing some of the controls of the fighter and, and take off. And he, he wants to rationalize his disobedience. So he talks to R2-D2, the, the real star of the show, uh, his robot behind him, and says, they told me to stay in the cockpit. I am. He followed the letter of the law. But he comp- the, as for the spirit of the law, he did the completely opposite thing. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It's a reference from Hosea and God's rebuke to Israel. That is, they, they followed some of the rules. They, followed, they did the ritual sacrifices. They, they followed some of the things they were told to do. But their heart wasn't in it. God wanted their heart. He wanted them to worship him as the Lord their God. And they didn't. They, were, they, they got it right on a few of the little details, the outward things, but they got it hopelessly wrong where it really mattered. Jesus is saying the internal is way more important than the externals. So what is the spirit of the Sabbath? We're just going to go back and have a little look at some of those foundational passages in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. So the, the Sabbath is, could we have the next slide please? The Sabbath, firstly, it is the seventh day and it's for rest and not for work. But we've, we've seen that from the law of the Sabbath. Um, but in terms of the heart or the spirit of the Sabbath, could we have the, the next slide, please? God says it is blessed. We're going to think about what it is for the Sabbath to be blessed. The Sabbath is holy. God made it holy. He set, apart, he set it apart. It must be we encounter God in the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for freedom and not for slavery. This comes out of the, the second reading in Deuteronomy because God grounded it in his rescue from slavery of the Israelites from Egypt. It's for freedom and not for slavery. The Sabbath is a gift for humanity. This comes from, from Mark uh, chapter 2, verse 27, that, that when Jesus said, God made the, the Sabbath for man and not man for the Sabbath. It's a gift for us. I must admit, up until about a year ago, I mainly thought, thought of Sabbath in terms of the law of the Sabbath and perhaps a list of things I shouldn't really do. Um, but my thinking has changed over the last year, largely thanks to uh, an American pastor called John Mark Comer, who has written a, a great book, I thoroughly recommend it, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, Ruth, my wife, has, has also really enjoyed some teaching by Jen Wilkin, um, Ten Words to Live By, um, which is an outworking of the Ten Commandments. So I'm going to try and just give us three steps to, to think about Sabbath and think about the spirit of the Sabbath. Step one is get an appetite for the Sabbath. Get an appetite for the Sabbath. Look back. Uh, you know yourselves better than I do. What activities or places or experiences have led you previously into a place of rest, of joy, of peace, of just a spirit of restfulness and thankfulness. 
I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for a, a few moments. I'm going to read a list, but I'd like just to invite you to close your eyes so you can just think and hear and allow God to speak into that. I'll leave a few spaces. This is a list of things that I think um, the Sabbath might be used for. Maybe having friends over for food, hiking, exploring, an extra hour in bed, making a bonfire, sitting near the sea and listening to the waves crash, time in the garden, playing board games with friends, sharing in a picnic, reading a book, singing or listening to worship music, having an unhurried time in the Bible and talking to God about that. You can open your eyes again now. This list will tell you something about me. I, I wrote that list, and you will have other things. But partly, I would just invite you to be creative as well. If you, if you play music, play music. If you paint, paint pictures. If you write poetry, do that. Sabbath is a gift from God to be enjoyed. It is holy, which means to be set apart. So the Sabbath should therefore look different from the other six days. Exodus 20 verse 5 says, Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Do you want more blessing in your life? Desire Sabbath. So that's the, the step one. Get an appetite for the Sabbath. I'm going to give you step two and three, but to be honest, if you don't do step one, there's not much point in steps two and three. Step two is make space for the Sabbath. Make space. And only when you have an appetite for the Sabbath will you make space for it. And again, um, John Mark Homer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, is quite a good ambition in this, really. I, I would add to it and say the ruthless elimination of hurry and distraction. So I'm just going to think about, give you a few things that I think will kill or destroy Sabbath. So avoid these, please. So avoid pretending that some work isn't really work. Maybe that's doing the emails. Maybe that's doing the ironing. Whatever it is, avoid pretending that some work is not really work. Secondly, avoid anything addictive. Anything We've heard, we've heard that the Sabbath is for freedom and not for slavery. So anything that, that is addictive in any way, maybe it's Netflix, maybe it's spending all the time on social media, social media whatever it is that, that you've struggled to say stop to, whatever it is that just you keep doing, you keep doing, if it's addictive in any way, try and keep that away from your Sabbath. This one I have blatantly stolen from John Mark Comer. Avoid advertising. Advertising is designed to stimulate your brain into subconscious thinking about wants, worldly needs, shopping, um, it's basically designed to send you onto Amazon in the quickest time frame possible. Uh, avoid it on a Sabbath. Avoid advertising. Avoid alerts, disruptions, notifications. Ping, ping, ping. Hello, moto. To have some quality time with God, with other people, with church family, doing Sabbath things, avoid, switch the mobile phone off. That's the best solution. Switch it off for the day. So there's a few list of things that will kill your Sabbath. One, is there one more bullet? I think there is. Delegating work to, to others. The, the loopholes um, or the loopholes that God closed in the commandments were fa fairly strong on this, weren't they? Um, 
it might be that if you're in a position of influence that you can, okay, take the day off. You can Sabbath, but you're, you're other people are working on your behalf. No, no, no. God is fairly clear on closing those. And the Sabbath is about communal rest. It's not just about the individual. It's about God's community. Step three. So we had step one and step two. Step three, once you've got an appetite for the Sabbath and you've made space to do the Sabbath, J-D-I. Just do it. Just do the Sabbath. So I think uh, if we get the spirit of the Sabbath, then questions that might come up like, well, well, what day of the week really has to be the Sabbath? If I have to work on a Sunday, if I'm a firefighter, a nurse, a doctor, if I have a, a church pastor, if I have to work on a Sunday... I think if we get the spirit of the Sabbath, and especially we link that to Jesus saying the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, I think that gives us license to receive the Sabbath as it was intended as a gift. So I think the spirit of the Sabbath is really helpful um, in unpicking some of the more detailed, nuanced questions about the law. The first Christians clearly stopped observing uh, Sabbath or Shabbat, as they called it, on a Saturday, and the early Christians moved, uh, made Sunday the, the day of rest and called it the Lord's Day. If I think back to my queuing experience at Wimbledon that we started with, and I did mock it a little bit in terms of the code of conduct, but if, if I'm really honest, hand on heart, I don't think I ever enjoyed queuing as much as I did that day. It was wonderful. Uh, you, could, you could have a picnic, you could get a, a deck of cards out, you could play, you could talk, you could put some music on an iPod, uh, all, all on, a, on the nice grass. And then every so often, one of the stewards would come along to you and say, we're, we're going to move you along in about five minutes, so just pack up. And then in about five minutes, they would duly come along and move you along to the next part of the queue. And you could sit down and start your picnic again. The, the code of conduct was actually designed to, to make it a really great day out. So sometimes we do need to think about what's the spirit behind the code? What's the spirit behind, behind the rules? So I hope you can see that adding the layer of the spirit of the Sabbath onto the law of the Sabbath gives us a richer, richer picture. So the, the, the final layer we're going to talk about is, is the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of the Sabbath. And if the law of the Sabbath emphasized the what, what can I do, what can't I do, and the spirit of the Sabbath emphasized the why. Well, what's the heart behind the law? Why, why did God give me that law? Uh, then the Lord of the Sabbath emphasizes the who. Who is the Sabbath all about? And likewise, what, I ask myself the question, why do people queue at Wimbledon? Is it not to see the likes of Becker and Borg and Nadal and Federer and Steffi and Martina and all of the Wimbledon greats. It's about seeing a display of beauty, isn't it? But I'm going to take us to verse 8 from Mark chapter 12, if we could have that one on the slides, please. Uh, Jesus said these words, For the Son of Man, that's the favorite way of referring to himself, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. That is an absolutely outrageous claim. Can you just imagine what would go through your mind if I said, I'm Lord of Tuesdays? I mean, I'm, I'm not a power-crazed power guy. I'd be happy with an hour. 
10 to 11 o'clock on Tuesdays, I'm Lord. It's utter nonsense, isn't it? It's utter, utter nonsense to, to claim to be Lord of a, a day of the week unless you've got some amazingly divine credentials. Uh, I used to be an atheist. I didn't believe in God. And over the years, I've had many conversations with some of my atheist friends who still don't believe in, in God. And many atheists will say, there's nowhere in the Bible will you read the words where Jesus says, I am God. And in that, in that context, they're right. But if, if someone says that to you, I'd just invite you to, to say, do you want to just have a look at, at Matthew 12, verse 8? Um, how can you claim to be Lord of a day of the week and not, so, and, and not be also saying you're God? For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He is, he is making this divine claim. And men and women throughout time, uh, everyone here, men and women throughout time have rejected the, the three layers that we've, we've looked at. In terms of God's law, we've, we've thrown it out and we've, we've, we've broken every law, we've done our own thing. In terms of the spirit behind the law, God's heart, of, of, we've rejected the God who made those laws, we've rejected his, his spirit, the, his kindness, his loving nature, we've rejected that and turned away from him. And the top layer of being Lord of our lives, we've rejected God as Lord. So every layer, human beings have always rejected God. And we rightfully deserve judgment for that. We rightfully deserve separation from the God who gave us those laws and those rules in his loving, from his loving heart. And this is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news that Jesus Christ died to take the blame, to take the punishment, the, the separation that was due me and due you because we've not kept God's laws, because we've rejected God as law, Lord in our lives. Jesus took it upon himself when he died on the cross. Jesus took that punishment onto himself so that we might have life and life to the full. And the Lord of the Sabbath is here this evening making an invitation to you. Will you come and spend time with him on the Sabbath? Will you come and spend time with him in your life? He says, come, come and rest with me. He says, this is just a taste of what my forever will be. This is just a taste of what your forever will be with me, if you follow me. There's a lot in that last sentence, and we haven't got time to look at it in a great detail this evening. But it is absolutely biblical to see Sabbath rest as a foretaste of eternity, literally a taste of heaven. He says, invite some of my church family round. Invite my brothers and sisters round. Let's eat, let's walk, let's dance, let's sing, let's rest together. He says, you're going to need to carve out some time to do that, though. Are you up for that? Before Ruth comes to lead us in a response, let's pray. Almighty God, thank you that you are a wonderfully loving father who gives good gifts to his children and longs for their flourishing. Thank you that you made the Sabbath, that you made a day for us to rest and worship you. Thank you that Jesus is Lord. Thank you that he is Lord of the Sabbath and Lord of our lives. Please help us to meet him. Please, by your spirit, help us to be more like him. In Jesus' name, amen.